the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Water in the court. Be seated. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. On the radio, on podcasts, on Facebook Live, and on YouTube, you can hear all about the law on Talk Law Radio. So today, we're going to be talking about uh, something very interesting in Texas. That's the Reader Act. Have you heard about the Reader Act? We'll get to it soon. But I wanted to let you know something new and exciting about Talk Law Radio is that we're now airing on AM 630 The Word on Saturdays at 11 o'clock in the morning as well as 930 AM The Answer simultaneously. <laughs> and, of course, we're also on the air Sunday afternoons at 430 on 930 AM The Answer. Today we're going to be talking about the Texas Restricting Explicit and Adult Designated Educational Resources Act, known as READER for short. This Texas law is new, and it requires school book vendors who sell books to Texas public schools to issue sexual content ratings for all library materials that they have ever sold or will sell. Flagging any materials deemed to be sexually explicit or sexually relevant based on the material's depictions of or references to sex. This new law was recently challenged in court, and we will be talking about that case. I'll also be talking about a sinner that should be recognized for his excellence and a self-proclaimed saint that is alleged to have sinned. Finally, I'll be talking about a new law that might affect you without you knowing it. So stay tuned for the entire show today. It's going to be packed full of good information. Tomorrow at 4.30 in the afternoon, I'll be talking about a court case between the National Small Business Association and Secretary of Treasurer, Treasury Janet Yellen. The National Small Business Association is challenging the constitutionality of, a cor- of the Corporate Transparency Act. The NSBA argues the Corporate Transparency Act exceeds Congress's authority under the Commerce Clause and violates rights protected by the First, Fourth, Fifth, Ninth, and Tenth Amendments. 
This court case has not been reported in the mainstream media, so tell your friends to talk, listen to Talk Law Radio to discover what hidden legal issue blind spots it contains. I've been talking about the Corporate Transparency Act for a while now because it's a new law that requires law-abiding business owners and families that use LLCs and limited partnerships in their estate planning to disclose private information to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. In fact, I'm giving a seminar workshop on February 7th, 2024, to bring awareness to this new legal requirement. Because if this law applies to you, failure to report your private information will result in fines of up to $500 per day and imprisonment of up to two years. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and find the magnifying glass to search for Talk Law Radio. Then look for our Lady Justice logo in the red, white, and blue colors. Then click subscribe. If you want to be notified when new videos become available, click the image of the little bell. Okay. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about these issues on the radio. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to follow your will. Please help us discern the importance of our freedoms and the importance of age-appropriate reading material. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. If you're familiar with the Reader Act, you can let us know what your opinion is by calling 210 308-8867. That's 210-308-8867. Or you can text Todd. Let me find the number here. Text Todd at 210-538-4770. Text Todd at 210-538-4770. So the, the long question is, do you think it's reasonable to require booksellers to rate the books Or do you think that preserving the bookseller's freedom from compelled government speech is more important? Last year, the Texas legislature passed a law called the Reader Act that prohibits school districts from possessing, purchasing, or acquiring harmful material as defined by Section 43.24 of the Penal Code. Library material rated sexually explicit by the vendor, or library material that is pervasively vulgar or educationally unsuitable. The same law prohibits vendors from selling library materials to a school district unless they have issued appropriate ratings for library materials they have previously sold to a school district or open enrollment charter school and that remain in active use by a district or school. The Act requires vendors to give all library material a rating of quote-unquote sexually explicit, 
quote-unquote sexually relevant or quote no rating. Some booksellers claim that the law violates their freedom of speech because it compels private speech, is unconstitutionally vague and overbroad in a prior restraint, and is an unconstitutional delegation of government authority. Do you think it's reasonable to require booksellers to rate the books, or do you think that preserving the bookseller's freedom from compelled government speech is more important? Let me know. Give me a call here live on the air at 210-308-8867, 210-308-8867, or text Todd at 210-538-4770, 210-538-4770. I'll let you know what some of my uh, fan club had said about this question. Uh, somebody came out and said that it's an issue of who would be making the decision, who would be giving those ratings, and, and would that even be accurate, or is that just going to be their opinion? And would you want to give somebody that much power and authority to be a gatekeeper? Um, this, this person that commented said that's going to give that person a lot of power. Uh, another... Uh, this was a young person who said, I think there should be a rating if it's sexually explicit because she had seen teens or preteens get books for themselves or, or for them, from their parents that were very sexually explicit, but the, the parents didn't know what their children were reading and, or unknowingly exposed their children to sex and mature relationships way too early. Here's another comment. No, books do not need a rating system if a parent's own private beliefs create contextual restrictions on what they personally find acceptable for their children to read, then they should be required to do their own due diligence on the books. That is for them to figure out on their own. It should not be for everyone to, else to abide by. So you might find an analogy with uh, the movie industry. Movie industry has ratings on the movies. There's G, PG, PG-13, R. Um, but you might be surprised to find out that the movie industry does that voluntarily because they didn't want the government to be regulating or rating their content. So that's pretty interesting, isn't it? We're going to be talking more about the Reader Act after we come back from this short break. Stay tuned. Are you looking for reliable tax services? Look no further than Hector Signs with Liberty Tax Services, our valued sponsor here at Talk Law Radio. With years of expertise and dedication to excellence, Hector Signs ensures your taxes are in safe hands. Whether it's individual or business taxes, trust Hector Signs and Liberty Tax Services for thorough, accurate, and efficient tax solutions. Call Hector Signs at 210-764-5648. That's 210-764-5648 for all your taxes tax needs 930 a.m welcome back to talk law radio i'm todd markor 
You can listen on the radio at 11 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays, 4.30 in the afternoon on Sundays. Podcasts anytime, anywhere, everywhere, or Facebook Live or YouTube. Uh, Go to YouTube, search for Talk Law Radio, and click subscribe. And if you want to know when new videos are uh, posted there, click the little bell. Uh, The YouTube videos are a little bit different than the Facebook Live in that YouTube videos are about 10 minutes apiece, whereas uh, you can watch the full one-hour episode on Facebook Live without interruption. Or you can listen on podcasts everywhere without interruption. So tell your friends about Talk Law Radio so they can be up to date on what's going on in the law. Today we're talking about the Texas Reader Act. It's a law that imposes a rating system on booksellers so that the booksellers will will rate how sexually explicit the book's content are before uh, school districts would be allowed to uh, purchase those books. And the way I found out about this law is because there was a court case Uh, that was challenging the constitutionality of the law. It's known as Book People versus uh, Martha Wong in her official capacity as the chair of the Texas Library and Archives Commission. Uh, There's other parties, uh, but I'll just refer to it as the Book People case. Uh, There were some booksellers and bookselling associations involved in the plaintiff side of the case. Um, They're challenging the constitutionality of of the Texas law that requires this rating system. And my question to you, the listeners, is what do you think is more important? Do you think freedom of speech is more important, or do you think the regulation of uh, books uh, for the benefit of children is more important? You can call us here live at the station right now, Saturday, January 27th, 2024, by calling 210-308-8867. Or you can text Todd at 210, let's see, 538-4770, and I'll read your comment when I get a chance on the air. So I, I was telling you what some of my fan club had said about uh, this law, and uh, of course you can post on Facebook Live your comments as well. Uh, I've been trying to figure out how to use reels and stories on Facebook because that's where I could conduct a poll. Uh, I tried that uh, for the law firm on a different issue on the Corporate Transparency Act. And uh, my daughter, Caitlin, was able to help me a little bit with it. (laughs) So if you see me experimenting with videos on social media, uh, please forgive me if I make silly mistakes. I'm I'm not really an expert yet, and I have a day job, so uh, my time is limited to things like that. I just want to also mention that um, I'm going to be talking about Uh, another court case uh, in the third segment uh, when we usually talk about sinners and saints 
And then at the end of the show, I'll be talking about a law that might impact you without you knowing it. So stay tuned for that. But now I want to talk more about the Reader Act, the Texas Reader Act, which is a law that requires uh, booksellers to rate content, uh, book content that is intended to be sold to to kids, or not sold to kids, sold to libraries and school districts. And the reason this is important is because um, somebody did find books that were inappropriate. Uh, there was a letter posted on uh, December 7th, 2021, um, by a school district superintendent. It says, Last spring it came to my attention that some school district libraries contained at least one book that was wholly inappropriate due to its depiction of race. Another book was brought to my attention that contained graphic, vulgar language of a sexual nature. And you may have also heard about a letter from Representative Matt Krause, that's a Texas State Representative Matt Krause, asking school districts whether they had specific books. So I wanted to find this list, and it was kind of hard to find, but I, I did eventually find it. If you want a copy of Matt Krause's list of books, uh, email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. It's just interesting to see what some of these inappropriate books were. Let's go back to uh, Book People case uh, to find out more about what their challenges were and what the court held eventually. And if you want to speak up, <laughs> if, you, if you're brave and have courage to say what you think about a rating system for books or about what you think uh, kids should or shouldn't be reading, uh, give us a call here at the radio station, 210-308-8867. The Reader Act was passed and signed by the governor, so this had support in the Texas legislature. Would you want your son or daughter or grandson or granddaughter reading books at school that were sexually explicit? Or do you want the government to uh, regulate that more to make sure that it doesn't happen? Uh, there's a couple of people that are members of my fan club that said uh, they definitely don't want their children reading that kind of material, but it's not really the government's place to restrict ideas. That would seem to be a central theme is we don't want the government controlling uh, what we learn about uh, because that power could be abused. But that power should be used by parents. Parents should know what their kids are reading. They should know what kind of content their kids are exposed to. And uh, one of my buddies said, gosh, if they're not going to read about it in a book, they're probably just going to 
access the internet on their phone and find all kinds of inappropriate content that way. Yeah, but he didn't want the government to interfere. Okay, so the issue in this case wasn't book banning, which is uh, a myth that I had to dispel for a lot of people. The issue in this book people case that challenges the constitutionality of the law is whether the readers, the Reader Act vendor rating system is unconstitutional. To comply with the Reader Act, library material vendors may not sell library materials to a school district unless they have issued appropriate ratings for library materials they have previously sold to a school district or open enrollment charter school and that remain in active use by a district or a school. The Act requires vendors to give all library materials a rating of sexually explicit, sexually relevant, or no rating. And the court eventually, I'll spoil it for you, came up with the answer that uh, this is unconstitutional because it's compelled speech. I bet you didn't know that that was part of the free speech clause, that we the people be free from government telling us what to say, whether it's in print or on the air or um, whether we're speaking it in a crowd. That would be compelled speech. We don't have to be compelled. That's part of our freedom of speech. So I wanted to read to you some of this opinion about the compelled speech standard. I need to have a better outline here to access that more easily. Okay, so the freedom of speech is the right right of freedom of thought protected by the First Amendment against state action, which includes the right to speak freely and the right to refrain from speaking at all. Here plaintiffs, the booksellers, want to remain silent and not express any public view on the appropriateness of various books. The exceptions to the compelled speech doctrine would be uh, when the court recognized there's no right to refrain, refrain from speaking when essential operations of government require it for the preservation of an orderly society. Um, the exception has been applied to sex offender registration requirements, disclosures on IRS forms, and demographic information for the census. But the Reader Act requires vendors to decide whether library materials are sexually explicit or sexually relevant according to guidelines that require the vendors to undertake a contextual analysis of material, weighing and balancing several factors. This goes beyond mere disclosure of demographic or similar factual information. So the court concluded that that separate exception didn't apply to the compelled speech uh, part of our freedom of speech. And another argument that the state of Texas made was that this was commercial speech. And the court said commercial speech 
is an expression related solely to the economic interests of the speaker and its audience. It's also defined as speech which does no more than propose a commercial transaction. So this court said that it wasn't commercial speech. The ratings that the Reader Act required were neither factual nor uncontroversial. The statute requires vendors to undertake contextual analysis, weighing and balancing many factors to determine a rating for each book, balancing a myriad of factors that depend on community standards, and it's anything but disclosure of factual information, and it is controversial. So the the court issued an injunction which stops the state of Texas from enforcing this uh, rating system. So that's a very interesting. It it affects our children, our grandchildren, the, the children in the community. Uh, those are the future decision makers of our society, and I realize that we need to protect them from material that's not helpful, um, but I, a lot of the listeners out there have been saying that that's up to the parents. The parents don't want them reading that book. They can complain to the school district. Um, there was another court case uh, cited in in the inside that book people case uh, called Pico versus Board of Education. It discusses uh, when school districts can make a decision about uh, removing books, um, but uh, we don't have time to go through that case right now. Uh, I have to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about sinners and saints. Uh, one sinner that should be applauded for his exceptionalism, and one self-proclaimed saint that should be charged with a crime. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. On the radio, on podcasts, on Facebook Live and YouTube. Check out our previous shows. If you have questions about other laws, you can search YouTube. And you may not know this, but you can also search Facebook. You can go to our Facebook page and hit the magnifying glass and search. And for some term that you're confused about, and you might find one of our videos or you might be able to do that on YouTube. Uh, you can also go to TalkLawRadio.com and search our archived episodes there. Uh, you can also go to Podcasts Everywhere, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this is our third segment of the show, and uh, this is when we talk about sinners and saints. Uh, now it's time to talk about a sinner that should be recognized for his excellence and a self-proclaimed saint that is alleged to have sinned. It's an exciting week for me because uh, it turned out that way. So the sinner I want to talk about is Janik Sinner, that's his name, from Italy, who won the match against Novak Djokovic from Serbia. Uh, they were 
playing tennis in the Australian Open, uh, and it was a big upset because uh, Novak was a 10-time champion. And I, I heard that these two tennis stars were uh, remarkable because of their serve speed. Uh, they can serve balls at speeds of up to 130 miles per hour. Wow, that's fast. The saint, no, <laughs> the, the, the sinner is the self-proclaimed saint. Um, this is uh, a court case that I found uh, about a pastor that was selling cryptocurrency to his congregation and other congregations, and he's being sued by the, uh, the Colorado Securities Commissioner, Tung Chan, for the state of Colorado. And so the, the pastor is Eli Regalado and his wife, Caitlin Regalado, uh, a.k.a. Caitlin Dorsey, and the companies that they created, uh, INDX Coin LLC, Kingdom Wealth Exchange Incorporated, Kingdom Wealth Exchange LLC, Grace-Led Marketers LLC. And uh, there's a lesson about how they were using their business entities that I'll bring up in a few minutes as well. So the uh, the commissioner of the securities for the state of Colorado filed this lawsuit asking for an injunction to stop this pastor from selling worthless cryptocurrency. A summary of the action is, uh, despite having neither background nor credentials in cryptocurrencies, securities, or exchanges, uh, the defendants decided to market and sell a new, innovative type of security and to create an exchange on which to sell that security, the INDX coin, a cryptocurrency coin, which would be bought and sold on a new exchange, the Kingdom Wealth Exchange, Defendants' drive to make money was only matched by their reckless disregard of securities laws and profound lack of scruples toward their investors. So you want to know why this this makes me upset, playing something that's worthless to his parishioners. He's using his status as their pastor to take financial advantage of them. And it made me think of uh, the verse in the in the Bible that says, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. And so I have that verse here uh, marked in my Bible now. Uh, it comes from uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 7, starting at verse 15. This is Jesus talking. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, they are ferocious wolves. That that describes this guy exactly. And he even made a video after he got sued uh, telling his uh, parishioners, his investors, to hang in there because uh, God told him to sell this fake cryptocurrency to them and that if they just pray... The blessings will come. And so what that tells me is that he's not going to stop. 
He has to be stopped. It's people like this that need to be jailed because they're unable to stop their own bad behavior. And so society has to impose justice upon them by putting them in jail so that they'll stop stealing other people's money. And uh, the fact that he said God told him to do it, uh, I think he's he's uh, a liar. And he's, he's being influenced by the great liar, uh, Satan. He's the, the father of lies, right? So that's... I thought the Bible would be uh, useful to help us understand what's going on with that person right now. Okay, so uh, Defendant Eli arranged meetings with pastors and other churches and offered these pastors incentives to invest. And the court case says uh, that, that the defendants advertised these coins and the exchange both online and in person through presentations made at churches, including at Victorious Grace Church. That's his online church. Doesn't have a church building. And uh, Victorious Grace Church has only two employees, the defendants, Eli and Caitlin, the married couple, and, which they operate from their house, their recreational vehicle, or from various vacation destinations. The court case goes on further to say the defendants offered and sold unregistered securities to investors or authorized others to do so on their behalf. Defendants paid commissions to the sellers of the INDX coin. Uh, Defendants misstated and omitted material facts. I'm not an expert in cryptocurrency. Um, I'm not a licensed investment broker, uh, so I'm still trying to figure out all the terminology here. Uh, If you have information that can help me understand this, if you know uh, whether cryptocurrencies are securities or whether they should be or shouldn't be, email me at host at talklawradio.com. I'm interested in hearing what you have to say, is a cryptocurrency a security that has to be registered? And I think I found that uh, the United States Securities Commission uh, view right now is that all cryptocurrencies, except for Bitcoin, are securities that should be registered. And so now I'm interested to find out why. And if you know, please tell me this case is, is just fascinating in, because he got millions of dollars from people by selling this coin. Um, he, he said the coin will cost you $1.50, but it's actually worth $10. And, uh, and then him and his wife used all that money, well, not all of it, about half of it, on themselves. Defendants made sales of at least $3.2 million, no less than $1.3 million or 39% of the investment funds paid in, went directly to the to Pastor Eli and his wife or was used for their own personal benefit. And so some of the, the laws that were broken here is 
uh, defendants failed to provide full, fair disclosures of material to support the amount of INDX coin then outstanding, and that INDX coin was not pegged to a certain value, but was instead backed by essentially no assets whatsoever, that the exchange was the sole platform upon which anyone could buy, sell, or trade the coin, and was subject to a run, that an index coin that is backed by no pool of assets to mimic the index has actually no value, that proceeds were not used to develop the coin or the exchange as promised, that defendants Eli and Caitlin took substantial sums out of the investor proceeds for personal expenses like luxury handbags, cosmetic dentistry, snowmobile adventures, an au pair, home renovations, luxury vacations, and more, that defendants paid sellers commissions, including commissions to themselves, that they paid to have the project audited for the technical documentation failed and the code was so inconsistent with standard code that it could not be fully evaluated. So beware of wolves in sheep clothing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Talk about legacy. Are you looking for reliable tax services? Look no further than Hector Signs with Liberty Tax Services, our valued sponsor here at Talk Law Radio. With years of expertise and dedication to excellence, Hector Signs ensures your taxes are in safe hands. Whether it's individual or business taxes, trust Hector Signs and Liberty Tax Services for thorough, accurate, and efficient tax solutions. Call Hector Signs at 210-764-5648. That's 210-764-5648 for all your tax needs 9:30 a.m. the answer Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Tube as well as podcasts everywhere and talklawradio.com. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law and during the fourth segment, I like to talk about legacy because that's what estate law is all about. And now, it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's your legacy? Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. Okay, so estate law is last wills, living trusts, tax-protected inheritance plans, Business law and estates use new businesses and old businesses with which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in county court, district court, or probate court. Check out Nation. Today I've been talking about the Reader Act, uh, talked about court case uh, called Book People about the Reader Act and about whether it was constitutional. Talked about uh, uh, the tennis player center who won an amazing match that he's being recognized for and talked about a self-proclaimed saint, uh, Pastor Eli, who said that he 
bankruptcy to his congregation and was being sued for that so that he would stop selling fake cryptocurrency and committing fraud against his own parishioners. He's what I would call a sheep and wolf, <laughs> a wolf in sheep's clothing, rather. And so now I want to talk about a law that might impact you without you knowing it, and it's called the Corporate Transparency Act. The word corporate in the name Corporate Transparency Act is actually a misnomer because the limited partnerships or any business entity that has to be filed with the Secretary of State or Indian tribe. And so I'm asking everyone to look at their plans, look at their business, look at their estate plan, look at their will or trust or whatever, and try and remember, did you set up an LLC or limited partnership as part of your estate plan? Because this act requires you to file something to report entity, the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, um, because the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network is having a hard time finding the bad guys, so they're going to start uh, evaluating all the good guys. Uh, this is what I call a stop and frisk of law-abiding businesses uh, for the purpose of trying to find evildoers out terrorism and the like. So need to be aware of the Corporate Transparency Act, uh, you can call your lawyer, you can call your CPA, or you can call Marquardt Law Firm. Uh, I've just made it my mission in life since I heard about this to find out everything about it and uh, what all information has to be reported and how easy can I make it for people to report. This is something that you can do by yourself, on your own, uh, by going. And it's got an ongoing obligation for you to report changes. So some of the information you have to report is not only your business address, but your home address. So if you move your business or if you move your home, you have to file an updated report with the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. But here's the good news. You can learn that I'm hosting on February 7th, 2024 at the Educational Service Center, Region 20. That address is 1314 Hines Street. But please register. You can find a link to register uh, online on Facebook, on Twitter X, or on, um, what's the other one, LinkedIn. So search for me there so that you can click the link. Or you can call my office at 210-530-430-4278. If you don't want to go online and register by computer or smartphone, you can call 210-530-4278. Or you can email welcome at Marquardt Law Firm. That's W-E-L-C-O-M-E at MarquardtLawFirm.com. Uh, I'll also put a link in the show notes on the podcast, and I'll also put a link in the comments on the Facebook Live post. And if I can, on the YouTube uh, videos that get posted later on this week, uh, because this is important. There are... 
they're saying that there's probably 33 million businesses that already have to report. And I, I've seen uh, reports of, or, or estimates of, that there's up to two million that people will get used to it and they'll figure out how to do this, do this yourself. Um, but right now, I'm just trying to bring awareness to the community about the Corporate Transparency Act. Uh, so the, the problem that the government has been coming up against is that there are what they call shell companies that make it of that company. Who actually owns that company? And so their, their big idea is to force small businesses and families that use LLCs or limited partnerships in their estate planning to register and disclose private secure information to this financial crimes enforcement network. I was just trying to think this through, trying to understand in my own mind how this would work out. Well, let's say that somebody is a money launderer and they're using shell companies and they're not in compliance of this act. Well, what's the penalty for failing to file? $500 per day. Well, if a money launderer millions of dollars uh, by not registering with this and they're subject to f paying $500 a day, wouldn't it be worth $500 a day for them not to disclose their private information, which would s subject them to many more millions of dollars in fines and many more years in jail? Or let's say it's somebody who's financing terrorism. Well, I, I've been hearing that those terrorist organizations get uh, governments and institutions. Well, do you think that they're afraid of uh, paying a $500 fine per day or having to spend two years in jail? No, that's chump change for them. The The United States government gives terrorist organizations like Hamas uh, enough money to, to cover those fines, such as what it was meant to, or I hope it's repealed, or I hope it's found unconstitutional because, uh, oh, that, that brings up another thought. I did find a court case challenging the constitutionality of this law, and guess what? Uh, I'll talk about it tomorrow at 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, that's a recorded show. I, I recorded it last week. I, I just just now remembered that I had Parency Act and about the challenges to its constitutionality. Listen tomorrow at 4.30 in the afternoon or find that episode on podcast, Facebook Live, or YouTube. It's a, a thrilling episode. So I wanted to talk more about partnerships as part of their estate planning? Um, well, it could be because um, they're using uh, an LLC as part of their investment strategy. They might use it to help um, teach the family business uh, to their children. This is work in the family. It, it's sort of a way of uh, bringing in the beneficiaries or the children and teaching them uh, how money works. It, it could even serve as a family 
loan portfolio, which I've heard other clients doing. And then there's the, the limited partnership, which is sometimes used to uh, reduce the value of the estate so that you don't have tax exemption is very high this year. It's over $13 million. As long as you leave less than $13 million, you don't have to pay federal estate tax. But there should be lots and lots of limited partnerships out there from back in the day, back in the olden days when the federal estate tax exemption was only $600,000. Well, nowadays, uh, you could come up with $600,000 with a, a house, a car, and a a retirement plan and life insurance cost. Well, I hope you've learned something about Corporate Transparency Act today. I hope you've learned about the Reader Act. If you have an opinion about whether uh, the state interest in preventing harmful materials to be consumed by children is more important, or let me know if you think the First Amendment is more important. Uh, send me an email on the social media uh, provided. Also, you can weigh in on whether cryptocurrency is a security subject to the securities laws, or you can help explain to me why Bitcoin specifically is not a cryptocurrency. I'm looking for that information as well. Uh, please go to YouTube to subscribe to that channel. YouTube wants me to have a thousand subscribers before I can stream live from there. I'm Todd Marquardt. Talk to you later. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.